Mommy's Podcast. It's called A Slice of Paradise. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you enjoy it. Or, or. Welcome to the bonus episode featuring my husband, Mitchell, the man behind the slice. And um, Mitchell, I usually like use this time to talk about like, okay, so how did we meet? What do we know about each other? And uh, well, we met in high school. Was I in the eighth grade or a freshman? You were in the eighth grade. I was in the eighth grade. You were in the eighth grade when you noticed who I was. When this man showed up and took my breath away. I was leaving art class. (laughs) I can still remember that brown and white shirt. And you also had that pink and brown American Eagle one. Uh And the, what kind of shoes was it? Like New Balance or something like that, but not no New Balance. But not like the old man, like Dad of the Year New Balance. But like I had Converse and K Swiss. It was K Swiss. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so yes, art class, the hallway between the two hallways. That was where he caught my eye, and so um, we dated. (laughs) You were a pretty good art student. I was too. We won something at the George Bush Library, right? Third place. I got third place. I got third place too. But obviously different years. Cause I got third place first. Whatever, dude. Okay, so you were older. Anyway. Um, we dated off and on through high school. College. Gave this thing one more shot. And um, been together since then, right? Mm-hmm. And so... How long have we been together? Eighth grade? I don't do uh, math. Well, I mean, it depends because... <clears throat> It, it was off and on at first, so you, it's hard to tell when. Yeah, but married for 10 years. Married for 10. 10 and a half, we yeah. We were engaged for long. No. Of a year, maybe. Yeah, we got engaged when I was in college. And, um, we, were, and we got married when you were in college. Got married when I was in college because my diploma says Jeff Coat. Um, praise God, because I was not going to sit through graduation and wait for the W's. You didn't sit through it anyway. I didn't even go to graduation, go. though. They mailed me my diploma. That was probably the best decision um, cause I'm not, I'm not sitting through that. Anyway, so, um, Mitchell has cooked for me from the get go, but first of all, we need to talk about what your slice would be if you had a slice. Well, because was- hang on, I don't cook. And so if I'm responsible for creating the slice, we're in big trouble. Well, there is no slice here, which it's no surprise because I really don't like to cook for myself. I usually like to cook for other people. It would probably be hummingbird cake, and I didn't for the longest. I didn't even know what it was. I remember. I don't remember what, the first time I had it, but it'd probably be hummingbird cake. And tell me what's in hummingbird cake. I I think it's like a carrot cake, but it's got pineapple in it. I, like I, raisins there, and stuff. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I've only had it a couple times. I think Jake. Brought it for my birthday one year. Wouldn't life be awesome if you had like a wife that could like you know make hummingbird cake for you when you wanted when you wanted it? Well, I'm kind of glad you can't cook because that allows me to stay in the kitchen. Well, that's true. So like, 
I don't cook, period. I do cook. I can cook. I'm not horrible at it. Like, you do eat the things that I cook. Yeah, yeah. whatever you cook, we eat it. You did buy me a cookbook for Christmas called the I Don't Know How to Cook book. Uh Uh-huh. And it's come in clutch, I'll say that. That beef stroganoff. Yeah, I know. I've done that twice now. Anyway, um, every once in a while you get kind of like, so are you going to pull that cookbook back out? But it's, it's literally like once every six months or so where you're like, okay, I've literally made every meal in this house for the last six months. Could you just give me one? Um, and a lot of times I don't because I feel like that takes away your joy mm-hmm. because that's like your favorite place in the whole house and what brings you joy in life is cooking for people. Um, anyway, so tell me when you started cooking. How old were you? Uh, it was... The first time I actually cooked was my mom went to San Diego. I had a cousin graduate from the, I guess you say graduate, anyway. He was a Marine. So she left. So that left dad, you know, dad just. <laughs> Let his, me just say his, something about dad. His best option was his nine year old son, okay? Right. <laughs> Kevin and I are on the same page as far as what we can and can't cook. Honestly, I think I could probably cook more than him. Yes. He has these signature dishes that no one's ever tasted called a crepe Suzette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, we joke all the time about how little he and I cook because Mitchell's mom cooks really well and Mitchell cooks really well and we don't go hungry because those two contribute. Anyway, so. so the first thing I cooked was, I, so my dad's parents, Mimi and Pops, I spent a lot of time at their house as a kid, usually in the summer. They live right down the road. And I was over there one, one day, and they were grilling pork tenderloins outside. And, I, you know, I was with them when they were cooking it. And Mimi, mixed, she mixed together honey and brown sugar. And she basted the pork tenderloin with that honey mixture. And I ate it, and it was delicious. So I told Dad, I said, well, you know, I, you know, I can cook that. So he said, okay. So me and him went to Kroger, and he said, you just get whatever... Whatever we need for this pork pork tenderloin. Here's my credit card. And uh, I cooked it on this little bitty red grill. It was like maybe 12 inches wide on the back porch. And I cooked it, and I did the same thing they did. And it was good. It was really good. He liked it. Uh, my uncle came over, and my dad sent him some home to give to my other grandpa, my mom's dad. I would say, I don't think I was 10. I may have been 10, I don't know, but I, but I was young, and that was the first thing I remember cooking, where I actually, I wasn't helping somebody, like, I, I was cooking. Right. Like, and since then, I mean, I've had several different pork tenderloin, in all the ways, like, you've done grilled and yeah. broiled and fried, which is my fave. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so, who was a cooking mentor to you, and once you started to cook, what did that look like for you over the next few years? Well, my mom was a good cook. My mom worked in a restaurant, I think probably before I was born. She worked at a restaurant called Bailey's. And she cooked there some. My mom's always been a good cook. All of my grandparents were good cooks. And usually, you know, like the men of the house, when they cook, it usually involves a grill. Uh Well, Pops and my grandpa, they both cooked in the kitchen. It wasn't just let me go cook a steak or a burger outside. It was they was actually cooking in the kitchen. To me, that's cooking. Mm-hmm. 
to me, grilling and cooking, they're two different things. And like when I was a kid, my Mimi and my Mamma would go to church on Sundays, Sunday morning. Pops would stay home and he would cook lunch. So when they got home from church, they had Sunday lunch ready waiting on them. So he would stay home, watch his NASCAR, drink his Miller Lite, and he'd have a full, full-blown meal waiting uh-huh. on him. So, and he cooked—I mean, everything he cooked was good. He—he he, he cooked really good ribs, but everything in, inside the house that he cooked was good. Uh, Mimi was a really good cook. The thing that I remember the most about her was so everybody's heard of chicken and dumplings, right? Well, Mimi made chicken in a dumpling. So she would, and she only made it for Thanksgiving. And it was probably to this day the best thing I've ever ate in my life. And I would watch her. She would sit there and she would roll out the the dough, the dumpling. And then she had this chicken mixture. And it had chicken and garlic and onions and parsley. And she would take this big handful of chicken and put it on the dumpling. And then she would fold it up into like a softball. And it would be this big ball of chicken wrapped in a dumpling. And she cooked it that way. And I've never seen anybody do that anywhere else. I think my mom tried to do it a couple of times and the dumplings would bust. And it, So she made that. And I remember I, I was always the taste tester. Whenever they were done, she would make me a bowl of one big old softball dumpling. And that was, like I said, probably one of the best things I've ever eaten. And then... My mom's dad, Grandpa, he was a good cook, and he was the same way. He cooked inside uh, spaghetti, stew, roast, all that stuff. So It's the vegetable soup I hear about with him all the time. And see, when I was a kid, I really didn't care for soups and stews. Right. But he, he was kind of, I guess I, I was kind of like him. He loved being in the kitchen. He loved cooking for people. Whenever we would have a family get-together, he was the one cooking. I really don't remember Grandma cooking a whole lot in, in the kitchen. She's known for her cornbread dressing for Thanksgiving. It is good. But those four to five people, yeah. me growing up watching them in the kitchen. And, like, and you know, when I got older, I was able to help Mimi make those chicken and a dumpling. I've never tried to make them. You know, I wouldn't mind trying. But those four to five people, I always watched them cook, ate their food. It was all really good. And that kind of, it kind of started from there. At what age do you remember beginning to be known for your cooking hmm. probably not till i was a young adult i mean i remember whenever i was real young like at family gatherings i was always in charge of mashed potatoes i would make mashed potatoes <laughs> well you really can't screw up a mashed potato unless you don't cook them long enough but i would say i, I probably wasn't known for my food until i was a young adult whenever i kind of perfected the craft in a way i'm, I'm no chef by any means but I got better through the years, and I mean, right. still learning. Still Even in better. high school, you'd cook for your friends. I remember that you'd have everybody over and cook for your friends. Um, what is your favorite dish to cook? Uh, I like cooking breakfast, but I don't like cooking the traditional breakfast. You know, I like it's never just pancakes and sausages. I I don't know why, but I like cooking breakfast, but making it. My, you know, my breakfast. Right. Uh, I enjoy cooking brisket. I enjoy cooking ribs. I think, I think the ribs are a little more superior than the brisket. Even though the briskets have, I think people know me more for my brisket than my ribs. But 
I would say that. The ribs, I like cooking ribs. I don't want it to sound condescending, but to me they're easy. Uh, you, I mean, you can't mess them up. If, if you overcook them, they fall off the bone. Mm-hmm. The, whenever your friends come over, they think they're delicious. They fall off the bone. Right. So, you, to me, they're foolproof. Right. Um, on the breakfast note, like just yesterday, mm-hmm. I got home from volleyball. And I'm like, okay, babe, I'm real hungry. And I was expecting to grab some kind of yeah. little Debbie disgusting. Well, yeah, you were staring in the pantry and I was... So I basically said, why don't you let me cook you something? And so he, we had two tostada shells left over from a previous meal. We had two tortillas, two raw corn tortillas. Oh, okay. I thought they were fried already. Anyway, all of a sudden he comes to me. He's like, okay, go ahead and eat this while it's hot. So it's two over easy eggs and it's... um, Chilaquiles. Yeah, it was chilaquiles and Uh it was delicious. And like... Literally, probably eight minutes is how long that took you to throw that together. Yeah, it didn't take long. And it was so good. Hit the spot. And that's just the way this looks for us. Like, I don't ever have to worry about the next meal because you are always... You got it. You got it down. Um, What do you think your specialty dish is that people know you for? Uh... I mean, I, I would I would have to say the barbecue. I mean, yeah. Just I, for whatever reason, that's what people know me for. Uh, I mean, I think I make good fajitas, and I enjoy making fajitas. But I, I think, from the standpoint of when people hear my name or they think he's cooking, that they're more than likely thinking I've got the smoker going mm-hmm. and I've got a fifteen pound brisket and a slab of ribs or something like I that. I would agree. I would agree. It's always barbecue. Um, but some of the things I've seen you dish up, I remember we did fire roasted pork for like a church fundraiser one year and we've done barbecue for several fundraisers. You've done lasagnas Uh for like birthdays, I think for your mom. And we did it when, uh, EB passed away too. Yes. And it's not like you're, I mean, it's not like Stouffer's or anything like that. It's like all the layers of all the homemade and all the good. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Um, so tell me a little bit about how the barbecue thing got started for you. Well, it was, it was a slow process. Uh, I forget how old I was. I'd I'd say I was probably 25 maybe. And I, I had to go to Mexico for work. And I was there for four days, and they, my boss, kind of sugarcoated it and said, "Hey, you know, we'll, you know, we'll, you know, we'll give you a bonus if you go." Well, ended up I ended up getting a two thousand dollar bonus, and I was like, "I'm, I'm, I, I, I want to spend this money on, on me, mm-hmm. you know, and I, you know, I don't want to save it." So I found a trailer. Me and me and Dad found the trailer and we went and picked it up. I think we paid two hundred bucks for it. And then a family friend had a two hundred and fifty gallon propane tank that was just off in their pasture. So me and your dad went mm-hmm. went and got it, took it to his place, and from there, uh, your dad, my dad, and myself, we just kind of winged it and built this smoker had no I had no clue what I was doing I'm sure your dad knew but neither one of us had ever built a smoker and it's not perfect but I've, I've learned how it cooks and the way I need to cook with it to to create good food and 
So we had that thing built. It took us a couple months. I was going to say it was like an every weekend thing. It, for... every, every weekend I was over there. If your dad wow. was if your dad wasn't busy, I was over there. If my dad wasn't busy, he was over there with us. And it took a while, and we got it built. And I mean, the first few things I cooked probably weren't weren't very good. <laughs> the first thing I cooked was ribs. They were terrible. Uh, and it, even the first few briskets I cooked, I mean, Brit, Brit, to me, brisket is a science. It, it's not easy. That's why it's it's one of the funnest things for me to cook because the the risk reward you can screw up a brisket pretty easy, right? But when when you spend ten to fifteen hours cooking one piece of meat and it's done and you cut it up and you eat it and your friends eat it and it's good, the the self I guess the satisfaction that comes with that is 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 pretty good. The reward of seeing people enjoy it, knowing you put so much hard work into it. Uh-huh. So, and then as I slowly got better, you know, we decided, well, you know, let's try a cook-off. And we went to a barbecue cook-off, had no clue what we were doing, stayed up all night, no sleep. And I I don't think we placed at all on anything, but it was the best barbecue I've ever cooked. And we didn't place, no big deal. Then we did another one a couple months later, and I think I got, I say I, we got fifth and ribs. So that was pretty cool, finally getting your number called. And we did a couple, but we still weren't we still weren't doing very well. I, I mean, the food was good. It was really good barbecue, but as the far... The party was fun. The party was fun. But uh, going up against that caliber of competition, we still weren't, we still weren't doing anything. And then we, uh, we entered into the cook-off at work. And uh, the very first year we did it, we won brisket. We got first place. And that's when the twins were six months old. They were not one. They, they, yeah, they, they were tiny. And my dad was in the hospital. Your dad was in the hospital. And uh, we got first place, so that was cool. Finally, that was a sweet victory. I mean, we finally won some money, which it wasn't near enough to cover the cost because... <laughs> Them competitions are expensive. So we finally got first place, and then we went went back the next year, and we won brisket again. We got So we won brisket back-to-back. And that year we brought home a couple trophies. We actually got second place overall, reserve champion. So we took home two trophies, two envelopes full of money. And it was almost – we usually do pretty good with ribs. Uh, I'll – I won ribs one year, I won chicken one year, but I've never really done good in all three at the same time as far as the judging went. But it's almost it it's almost a given that we're going to have our number called with ribs. Our ribs are always pretty good. But but we won those briskets back to back and it almost made it seem like from here on out, if we don't win, it was a failure. Just, I mean, whenever you go to two competitions in a row and you win both of them, you kind of you have that. You're, you know, you're expecting to win. Your team's expecting to win. When you when you don't win, you're let down. Right. So it, it it's almost kind of unhealthy. But we uh, we we've done good with the cookoffs. I think I'm gonna shy away from them they're a lot of work they're a lot of work they're a lot of money mm-hmm. 
uh, a lot of stress, a lot of added stress, because I take it serious. I want to win. You know, a lot of people just go for fun. They party and their food's terrible. Well, that's not me. I want to go and I want to win. I could care less about partying. I, I want to, I want to win. And it's yeah. not for the money. It's just, I want to win. Mm-hmm. But, but I think I'm going to try to scale that back some, which we only do one or two a year now anyways. Right. Whenever we first started, I was always looking, where's the next one? Where's the next one? Yeah, we did like six or seven one year. We did a lot. And but, our babies were babies. Yeah. Um, and that's hard on a family for sure because you're away and, you know, staying up all night. By the time we get to you the next morning, you're already exhausted yeah. and in a bad mood. And yep. then whether it's a win or a lose determines how the evening is going to go. And then you're about face down by 6 o'clock because yeah. you're exhausted. Um, but not only have you gotten into the uh, cook-off scene, you've also kind of had your fair share of catering gigs too. Tell me about some of the catering gigs you've had. Well, really, as far as catering goes, I would say it's just two. The first one was when we we catered our own wedding. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute. We had fajitas, rice and beans, and it was a labor of love for a lot of people in our family. Your mom contributed. Mom made the rice and beans. Mm -hmm. You made the queso at church, I believe. Yes. My parents were able to help us some. You actually grilled all the meat. Me and dad grilled all the meat, the beef and the chicken. Uh, my dad made the trip to Carlos Station to buy all the tortillas and all that stuff. Yeah. But that was the first one we did. And, and we don't really remember a whole lot from that day because it was full stress plus yeah. wedding. It was busy. It, it was busy. And then we did another wedding. We, did, we catered your cousin's wedding, yes. Dorothy. Mm-hmm. And she wanted uh, stuffed. Well, she didn't want stuffed chicken thighs, but I, I made stuffed chicken thighs Roasted pork tenderloin, which is what we talked about earlier. Yes. Uh, macaroni and cheese, green beans, and loaded mashed potatoes with rolls and tea and all that jazz. It was good. We had to employ some help. We had some friends of ours at the time help us make that drive to... Belton. Belton. And that was fun. That's one of those things where it, it's super stressful and it's a lot of work. And you're stressed because you want the food to be good. You don't want to run out of food. You don't want it to be cold. You want it to be hot. And I forget why, but I was walking in in the uh, reception area. People were eating it. You know, people were telling me, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. Hearing that from people that are eating the food that you cooked and you spent hours and hours and hours and hours cooking and stressing over to hear them say that they enjoyed it, it's... Uh, it feels good. Yeah. It was special to be a part of their day in that way. Yeah. Caroline was a flower girl and a terrible one at that. Yes. <laughs> but we got to make up for it because we had worked and made sure that their food was good and yeah. hot. And um, so they didn't have to worry about the food. And that was awesome. It was fun for us to be a part of that. But you've also done several church fundraisers. Yeah, we did fundraisers. We did a couple at the church. We did the fundraiser for the Mexican food restaurant in Casi. Casa Casi, shout out! It's delicious. We, uh, I think I, we cooked. Me and my dad smoked twenty to twenty-four briskets for sandwiches, and we made a bunch of potato salad. And I think we were sold out in an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. It was that was stressful, but we raised a lot of money to help them out, so that was cool. Yeah, their house burned down, and that was it. Was yeah. really cool to give back to the community, and I mean, Casa Casi has fed our kids and our family since it since it opened. Since it opened, a yeah. lot of times our kids went in the kitchen behind the doors. Oh and yeah, 
were held as babies by all of their family, and they would meet them with fresh fruit baggies yep. uh, at the door. Like, they just really cared for our family, and it was cool to give back to them when, you know, crisis hit with their house burning down. And the community showed out big time for that one, and it was it was special to be a part of that day. Mm-hmm. What else have we done catering-wise? You've done some drill team fundraisers. You did a chicken spaghetti fundraiser one time. Yep. Anyway, there's just been, you've been asked to do a couple other weddings and things have kind of fallen through, but um, definitely something that you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe now that we're not doing so many cook-offs, something that you might be interested in doing a little bit more of. Yeah. It's a lot more stress doing that because if I do a cook-off and I screw it up, it's just, okay, I'm out of myself. You're but out of money. But if I go do a fundraiser or a wedding and I screw it up, I got a lot of people right. mad, mad at me because the food was terrible. But I can't tell you something that you've screwed up in a really, really, really long time, if anything. Yeah. So this is just me being very biased, but it's a definite good decision for you to ask him to cater because he puts all of his blood, sweat, and tears into it. I mean, he you're just really passionate about cooking, mm-hmm. and I love that. Um, why do you enjoy cooking? Uh, well, for one, I like to eat. Amen. <laughs> I like to eat. And one of the easiest ways to accomplish or go ahead and uh, fill that void of wanting to eat is to just cook it. Uh, I've always said that there's two people to put a smile, there's always two ways to put a smile on someone's face, and that's to make them laugh or cook them really good food. Uh-huh. And I don't know if I make everybody laugh, but make me laugh but I cook a lot of good food you do and I don't know yeah just I mean it, it's just whenever you cook something and people enjoy it I mean our kids hate it but hey whatever our kids hate everything if it's not a frozen chicken nugget they don't want it right or a Totino's pizza roll um one thing to note about Mitchell is he never stops thinking about food and I don't mean that from like a fatty standpoint, but that's also true too. Like both of us are always thinking about what we're going to eat for the next meal. Uh-huh. But the difference between you and I is I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat. And you're thinking about what you're going to cook. And it may not even be like I'm thinking about the next meal. You're thinking about a week from now. You've got by about Wednesday for the last 10 years of our marriage, you have had your Saturday night meal and your Sunday night meal planned. Mm-hmm. Um, by Wednesday and sometimes groceries added to the cart on the on the app mm-hmm. and I don't think about lunch until right after I finish breakfast um, so that's special for us because I don't have to think about it I don't yeah. have to I said that earlier but I don't have to worry about the next meal you've got it taken care of I should probably be more engaged with it and sometimes you ask me for my opinion <laughs> I like it better when you don't <laughs> okay. I like just to just be surprised by what's cooking. Well, that's what makes it easy on me is regardless of what I put in front of you, you're, you're going to eat it. Like, oh, always. Which gives me the freedom of I can just look what's in the pantry in the freezer and I can concoct something in my head and make it. That's the thing about you, though. This These head concoctions you come up with, like, okay, we had dinner with our friends last night. And you made, say exactly what it was because I can't get the words right. <laughs> okay. It was chorizo and mozzarella stuffed chicken breasts wrapped in bacon. And I grilled those on the grill slow so the bacon would crisp up. And I made a mustard cream sauce. Mustard cream sauce with it. Mustard cream sauce. And it was so good. So good. And so when I text our friend and said this is what Mitchell's cooking, um, she's like, who even thinks of that? Which they call you the food fairy because... And you're a food fairy to a lot of people. Like you... 
I'm always out doing things you're usually working or sleeping or whatever. And I'm always out kind of more in the community. And I come with food, but it's not because I made it. It's because you made it and you're the food fairy for a lot of people. Um, so that's cool. So I responded and said, like, only the food fairy comes up with these kinds of things. And it's going to be delicious. And, of course, everyone loved it last night. It was so good. Um, that's just how this works with us. Uh, we show up to a lot of places. And any food we're carrying is because you've concocted it months in advance or days in advance and put the time and effort into not only thinking it but cooking it um and it's always so good like every time i mean going back to always thinking about food um there's many times where i'm in the kitchen cooking and i'm already taking stuff out of the freezer to thaw for the next meal i'm going to cook that's true so i can have that marinade so i have stuff on the stove cooking for now and i'll have stuff thawing to marinate for tomorrow so yeah and there's times where i get bored and i'm like i have nothing to do right now so let's so i go look in the pantry like when we get done with this i'm going to go make peanut butter cookies why because we have three jars of peanut butter in there that our kids won't eat so i didn't know that so i'm going to make peanut butter cookies that's my jam and i'm sure i'll take them to work and i'll be the work food fairy the work food fairy that's right like, I just picture your guys walking into the lobby and like, okay, who brought these cookies? Like, it's just, with you, now people expect it because you a lot of times take the extra slices mm-hmm. to work. But you really have no idea what you're going to show up with. Well, it, like Friday, I was in the break room at quitting time and somebody on the shift coming behind us brought brownies. Well, a coworker of mine sat down and said, "Oh, Mitchell made brownies," and I'm just like, that, <laughs> it's like that, "That poor dude, man! Like, no, I didn't bring the brownies. He did. You know, <laughs> give him some credit." Yeah. But it, it's just that if they see a pan on the table in the break room, they just make that assumption. Right. But with a lot of these slices, I've made two of them, and you would take one to one your whole pan one hole for your interview, and then I would take one to work. And, and then they would eat on it. There's been a lot of people who have been blessed by just the slice alone um, in this podcast. So that's really cool, too. I'm, I'm so glad you decided to do that. Um, one thing people don't know about us is we, on a normal week, cook you. <laughs> not we. You cook on Monday or Sunday. And we eat the same food through Thursday evening. Yeah, for the most part. And that saved us a lot of money on yeah. groceries. It saved us a lot of effort, I think, because we don't have to think about what we're going to have for dinner Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. It's four nights in a row. I don't know how people get off work and go home every day and go home and cook dinner for, 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 from scratch. Yeah. From start. Whole meals. Like, I'll do that on a Monday, and then the next couple of days, I'm good. All I got to do is warm it up. And when we're on our game diet-wise, it's really good for portion control, too, because you can make that many portions, and that's all you get for the week. You better make this last, because we're not cooking again until Friday. Or maybe we're going to go out on Friday, whatever. Uh Um, So, the very first time I decided to make something for you, though, was in my apartment in College Station. I made tuna fish. Tuna fish. And that's not cooking. We know that, so don't at well, me. And it wasn't tuna fish either. What do you mean? Go ahead and tell them what you put in that stuff. It was tuna fish. What would you put in it? I had tuna from a can, which makes it tuna fish. Yes. I had mayonnaise, seasonings, onion, relish, dill relish, 
And my favorite ingredient of all time for tuna, apples. Yeah, apples. But go, go ahead and tell them how huge these apples were. Like, I thought you were going to, like, fine dice them. I, you I, thought I could cook. I guess at this point I realized I had no clue that you had zero knife skills because you also shoved the knife through your palm trying to get an avocado seed out. I did. But anyways, I thought they were going to be fine dice. I was like, yeah, I'll try the tuna fish with apples because maybe I won't be able to taste it. And I walk up and it's like quartered apples floating in this tuna quartered? fish. Quartered? They were big chunks. Listen, I like my tuna chunky, but they were not quartered apples. They were big chunks. And so we had... Everything in there was pretty smooth except for the apples. I do understand that there was quite a bit of contrast in size from the rest of the dish. But this tuna is delicious. And I'll, I'll never know because you kicked me out. <laughs> so, he said, I'm not eating that. This was- that. That was probably pretty rude of me. I mean, I probably shouldn't have said that. But I would have rather said, which I don't think I said that. I, I think I said, I'll have leftovers. And I... In my mind, that that was a lot easier way to let you down than me gagging on this tuna fish sandwich <laughs> full of apples. But either way, I spent that night walking out of your apartment. I kicked you out. Going home, and you were highly ticked off. I was ticked. I because... think you told me to leave like five times, and I was like, "She's just joking." And like you were like, "No, you you really need to leave right now." Like this is all I bring to the table. You are not welcome here anymore. <laughs> And you're not eating my one dish I've got. So I went home and I think I picked up Jack in the Box <laughs> or something. Ate your feelings. Anyway, so from there, um, I don't know that I cooked for a while after that, even though that wasn't cooking. Um, we moved. We got married in 2012. And you were already living in this tiny house in town. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we moved in together after we married, and I remember vividly the sound of the oven from like 1912. Yeah, I'm pretty sure your grandma used that oven when she was our age. And oh, side note, my grandparents lived in that house when they brought my mom home from the mm-hmm. hospital. And so it was just a rent house now, and we, some family friends of ours, owned it, and so they rented it out to us, and we lived in this house for what, a year and yeah, a half? Yeah, it, it wasn't long. You lived in it for a year and a half. We married in March, and the house was built in December. So, um, anyway, the sound of this 1912 oven, and I'm sure the year is wrong, and please don't come after me, but it was like the squeakiest Mm -hmm. oven door would wake the entire neighborhood. Yeah. Like, honestly, you could probably hear the dogs barking outside when you would open this oven door. But I remember waking up to that in the mornings because you would cook breakfast, and Breakfast has always been important to me because dad is... Yeah. My family eats a lot of breakfast. Breakfast for dinner more than breakfast well, for breakfast. Well, he makes really good breakfast. So. He does make really good breakfast. And so I was raised on homemade biscuits, and we all have that recipe. And um, there's just a lot of memories for me around breakfast. And so when you say that's one of your favorite things to cook, that makes me happy because it's important to me. Um, but the sound of that oven waking, opening in the morning and waking me up was like the start of our marriage... And some really delicious food came out of that oven. And it's probably still kicking today. Let's be honest. That thing was not going to die. Um, so, after that, though, we... I guess we tried to start having a family in that house. And we lived there, I said, almost a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we began building a house. We were desperate to get out of this town <laughs> and into the country. And so, Dad deeded us few acres here 
on this property that my parents live on and we began to build a house and had no money really I mean very little we had jobs that paid the bills but that was about it there wasn't any excess definitely not any excess when kids came along Mm -hmm. and so we built this house on very little income and um, the week we moved in to the house I found out I was pregnant with Caroline so as everybody was helping us move in I remember standing in the kitchen right here and telling your parents that I was finally pregnant and that was really cool we had our first Christmas here in this house with a Christmas tree that didn't have lights in the middle remember that yes Nanny gave it to us um anyway so we brought Caroline home here and cooking for two became cooking for three I remember the first food you cooked her was squash succotash 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 tomato tomato What is it? Succotash. Succotash. It was corn and squash. Yeah. And she tore it up. She tore that stuff up. She wouldn't eat it now, but she did this. She absolutely, no, none of our kids would eat that now. Mm-hmm. In fact, we had squash casserole at lunch and all of them were like, yeah, we're not eating that. Um, but that was the way that you began to cook for a bigger family. Mm-hmm. And then um, two, three years after that, we decided to start trying again to get Carolina's sibling and had a loss. I don't remember what month it was, though. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in the springtime and we had a loss then that was, that crushed us early on, but it was, you know, something that we had prayed for and was taken from us. And I wasn't a stranger to that feeling or knowing people that had gone through that my mom had too, and several people around me. So thankfully I had, um, the right people around me to go through that. And then a few months later we found out we were pregnant, but, there begins the story of whoa Mm -hmm. 2017 so you start out and tell us about your interview and all of that situation in January of that year for the entry level oh I you know just unhappy with where I was working so we I applied for where I'm at now and I went through the interview process and which is a lengthy lengthy hiring process i went through a couple interviews took a test all that to be told "Eh, sorry about it you know we're not going to pick you so i didn't get it right off the bat but you did so at that point though when you didn't we made an agreement that any job that came open that you were qualified for from the next jump yeah you were going to apply for because we had our heart sets on working our hearts set on you working there. Yeah. Now I was working 15 minutes from home, a family run company that was really precious to me, pretty small, 50 people or so total. And they made me feel like family and I had no interest in leaving. But the very next position that came open at this company that you wanted to work for was an inside sales position and I was currently in inside sales at my job. And so It just so happened that I was the one qualified for the next position that came open. And so I thought, well, I know a lot about the people that work at that place. And um, I know that their kids were taken care of. When I was a kid, I never had, they never had to worry about their dads being laid off or anything like that. And so that made me excited for Caroline and our family, which at that point we wanted to grow and had just recently suffered the loss too. And so um, I applied for the inside sales position. And of course, another lengthy process, just as you said, it's usually a three month process, start to finish. 
and I found out we went to the doctor I knew I was pregnant in my interview Mm -hmm. but of course I didn't say anything about it we had our first doctor's appointment on a Friday our appointment was at 445 and when we got into the appointment they said the your doctor that's supposed to see you has been pulled over to the hospital for an emergency surgery can you come back another day and what I didn't tell you prior to this appointment you know now was I had had an inclination that there were multiple babies and what blew our mind completely was you didn't want to have more kids after Caroline because you were afraid that we would have multiples. Mm -hmm. And then we did have multiples. Um, And so that was an inclination for you. And then when we got pregnant, I had an inclination that it was multiples. And then there was a Facebook post that the name, these women's names are going to be pregnant with twins in this year. And my name, Kara, was spelled correctly, which is rare because people begin it with a K. And so I screenshotted it, sent it to no one because I didn't want anyone to know this. I did not want to put this out in the universe. And uh, so it's 445. Our doctor's been pushed over to the hospital. And tell me what that looked like for you. What happened after that? Well, you I remember you telling them, no, we're not going home until we hear the heartbeat because we live an hour away. And it's not easy for us to take off work to come here. So they finally, it, it, it was the nurse... The director of yeah, nursing. it was yeah, it was the head honcho, and she strolled off in there and looking for a heartbeat, and she found two. Yeah, she was dry. She yeah, she was had she was no no emotion. She was not pleasant. I I, I mean I had emotion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all had emotion, but, but she, she didn't. didn't. Uh, so she put the wand up there and. Uh, said okay here's one heartbeat and here's another one and I laughed I think Mm -hmm. and she was like yeah I'm serious and I was like no you're joking and she said no I'm serious and so Mitchell's head dropped Mm -hmm. immediately and he began to like groan and she was like this is normally opposite like the husband is the one excited because he doesn't have to do this again once you have twins you don't really do this again but and the wife is usually the one who's like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? And you're laughing, which was like kind of a maniacal laugh, like I didn't know what I was doing, and you were groaning. So, she finishes the appointment. We are pregnant with twins. We walk downstairs to the lab to get blood work done, and in the lab, I'm sobbing. And we realized that our house is too small. We just built this house. Our house is too small. <clears throat> our car is too small. We drove like a little tiny Cadillac SUV. Our paychecks were too small. Our paychecks were too small. We were already waiting to hear from work about a job. And we hadn't heard. And so how the heck are we going to make this work financially? So we got done in the lab. Walked down to the car. And I cried all the way home. We, we went to Kroger. We went to Kroger and we went to Chicken Express. I don't remember Chicken Express. I remember Kroger. We just walked around with a basket not knowing what the hell we were going Lost. to get. We didn't know. <laughs> do we get beer diapers? Both. Yeah. So we went to Chicken Express. I remember eating my heart out on some fried okra. We didn't know that that's a thing for me. And um, got home and you cracked open your beer, mm-hmm. turned football on, and probably cried mm-hmm. in here by yourself. I went to the lawnmower, which is my place, and cried 
until I could no longer see the grass because the sun was, it was dark outside when I finished mowing and there was no grass to mow, but I was not getting off of that mower until I was like fully coping with twin pregnancy. And so we came together that night and sat here at this very same table and said, okay, we're, we're going to make this work. Like, obviously there's no other option. But here's how we're going to make this work. And so we just put together what we could as far as ideas. And three days later, I'm at work. So that's Monday. Monday morning, I get a call from the employer that I had interviewed with. And she offered me the job and I told her that she needed to sit down. And I cried. And still to this day, she says that's that. It was Courtney that I interviewed on the podcast earlier and I think it was in the first season Courtney still says you know that's the first time I've ever offered anybody a job where they've cried and um of course they still offered me the job we became and I was very uneasy at that point because there was now a 45 minute commute yeah you almost didn't take it I almost didn't take it even though it was perfect for our family like it Uh was financially right um it was it felt very secure but what what felt more secure was the family-oriented company that I was at, 15 minutes away from Caroline. You know, twin pregnancy is risky. I don't know that I want to take this move right now. There was just a lot of unknowns for me, and so I almost didn't take it. And you basically said, like, you're freaking crazy if you don't yeah. take this job. And you had wanted this job so bad, like, to work for this company. And so it felt right for me to take it. And it's been such a blessing that I did. Because not long after that, you came on too, got Mm -hmm. hired. And so we work for the same company now. And you've, as we talked about earlier, you have um, fed a lot of people at that company. You've been involved in our work cook-off. You are constantly bringing different kinds of food, especially now with the slices. Financially, such a blessing for our family as it grew. Um, There was a lot about our life that we didn't know as we were, you know, day by day going through it, but God totally had his hand in all of it. Just if you, it's humbling to look back on all the things that have happened and how it's just been taken care of and Mm -hmm. it hasn't been out of control. We never felt scared. Um, so we delivered the babies in December of that year, 2017, and it was fitting for it to happen in 2017 because everything crazy had already happened in 2017. And, uh, yeah. So now, you were cooking for two, you were cooking for one, then two, and then three, and now five. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Just like that. Yep. And so our kids still don't eat your food? No. I mean, they, they have their favorites. Olivia freaking loves your ribs. And she loves steak, too. She loves steak. She loves steak. Um, Sloan will eat cheeseburgers pretty well. Mm-hmm. Caroline? No. Uh, yeah. I don't know. She loves them frozen Salisbury steaks. Dude, that is so gross. It's nasty. It's disgusting. I can't even take it, like, pulling it out of the Her and Sloan tear them up. Ugh, that is not even me. Anyway, so, um, forever, you've been known as the guy that cooks, but now I think your, um, reputation about the guy that cooks is way bigger than we ever thought it would be. So, tell me how you got involved or what made, you were actually the reason why we bring a slice to the podcast so tell me what that looked like for you as far as what like what do you mean the idea because we had thrown away around some different ideas <clears throat> well i mean it, it took you forever to 
jump off the ledge and actually do it. That's true. And I, I was pushing you really hard because I knew you that we were at a point in our life where you needed something. You were a sales rep and a mom, and that was basically all, all you were. That's mm-hmm. all you did was sell, and then you came home to three kids. Mm-hmm. And it was wearing on you. You weren't happy. And you kept talking about this, but you weren't doing anything about it to, to do it. So I kept pushing you to do it, do it. Just please just go buy whatever you need, do whatever you need to. And you finally did it. And then whenever you talked about what you were going to call it, the name of it, I was like, well, like you need, I felt like you needed to give the guests something, mm-hmm. you know, that they're, they're taking time out of their day to come sit down and talk to you. It needs to benefit them in some way. Now, granted, a, a slice of whatever it is, is it's just a slice. It's nothing, you know, extravagant. But at least it's it's something that just, I'm going to tell you my story and leave. You know, they get to show up and they get to eat one of their favorite foods. Yeah, I was handpicked by them. So, you know, they, they pick whatever their favorite thing is that they can slice and then you provide it. Yeah. And then y'all sit there and eat it and then talk about it. And What's been your favorite slice that you've made so far? Like favorite to eat or to cook or, or favorite what? to cook. Uh, I would say favorite to cook was probably the coconut cream pie, just because like that that's probably something I I enjoy eating. And it is so good. Yeah, you made a couple more a couple weekends ago. Uh huh. That was so good. What was the one that was the most trouble? And I already know. Uh, it's Toby's. It was Toby's. <laughs> that was that lemon cake. Whenever whenever you told me she was coming on, I was like. Holy cow! Like for real? Like this is big time. And I and I remember you told me like we need to make it bougie. Like we need to go all out for this. <laughs> yeah. But I agreed. You know. Yeah. Her, it had to be her story and everything she went through. I I wanted to make she sure needed something good. I wanted to make sure that when she sat down to whatever this was, that it was good. And she all she said was she wanted something with lemon. Mm-hmm. And I could have just pulled, made lemon bars. I could have made anything super easy. And I chose about the most extravagant freaking cake I could six ever layers. make. It was six layers. It had lemon curd, Bavarian cream. And it took me, it was like a three day process. I made the cakes one night and I let them cool. And then I sliced them in half. So three cakes turned six cakes. I made the curd and the cream and all that. And then where it kind of went wrong was the buttercream. I've made buttercream for years. It I know how to make it. But it was supposed to be lemon buttercream. And I was looking at the recipe, which let me go ahead and tell people, I don't use recipes. Uh-huh. I do not cook with but recipes. But you also were not a baker. But I, but when you bake, you have to use a recipe. Mm-hmm. Baking is a science. Cooking sausage in a skillet is not a science. <laughs> so I was always real bad about having to go back and check the recipe well the recipe called for two tablespoons of lemon juice in the buttercream well i put a quarter of a cup well that just destroyed it the buttercream broke it was soupy it it tasted good but it it looked terrible thankfully she didn't care no she didn't care well you, you you were walking in the house as i was attempting to put this buttercream on this cake and it started to just fall apart so you came and helped me you were you were spotting the cake with your hands skewers all throughout i told you to get the skewers and i, I probably 
probably said some mean, mean stuff because I was needing them right now and you couldn't find them, didn't know where they were. And I bet we ended up putting like 15 long wooden skewers that you would make like kebabs with in this cake. The top cake split three ways, so it was like three triangles. Yeah. And we had all those skewers going in there. I put it in the fridge because once all that stuff gets cold, it hardens up and thickens up and it, it, it kind of stops. It, it kind of stops sliding around. So that was the hardest. But that night when I walked in, you looked at me and you said, I'm done with this. Like, no more slices. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. And I thought, we've just got to get this cake to stick. And he'll be fine. That's how you are. You blow up and then cool down yeah. and everything's fine. Well, And it, it was because I wanted it to be perfect. Yeah, and I had it, it in my head how it was going to look. It didn't look anything like it. Um, but w- with the 23 and a half skewers we put in there <laughs> in the refrigerator, it, it firmed up. And then whenever you took it, you didn't take the whole cake. You just cut a big slice out. So when at least when you presented it to her, it didn't look like a mess. Right. But... As long as she enjoyed it, that's all that mattered to me. But that was the that was the hardest, just because I wanted it to be perfect. You're a perfectionist when it comes to cooking anything. It can be green beans, and you're mad whenever they don't turn out like you had planned. And so that's been a struggle for this slice thing because you find a recipe and then you kind of like add to it in your head. And if it doesn't meet those qualifications for you at the final product, you're mad about it. Well, you want to. You want to hear a buzz kills when is when you take this pie to work, and it, everything's homemade but the pie crust. And everybody says, "Man, I don't know what you did with this pie crust. This pie crust is amazing." And I'm thinking that's the only thing I didn't cook. You Dude, know? I've gotten that on all the times when you've made cheesecake. It's yeah. the cheesecake. Natalie was like, "This pie crust is perfect," and I'm like, "That is because it's a graham cracker mm-hmm. crust." Yeah. From the grocery store. Mm. They are good though. They are good. They're perfect. Whoever decided to do that is a genius. Okay, so you have cooked for your family from age nine to an even larger family. You cook for our friends all the time. You cook for my extended family. You cook for your extended family, all of our work people. We have Friendsgiving here, and I mean, for the last, I think, two years, you've made everything. Yep. Um, and I've made it a point to tell them, don't bring it. Like, I, like, I want to cook this everything. Is my thing. I'm yeah. cooking all of it. Yeah, come and have fun, and I'm going to yeah. do all the cooking, which. By the time everybody shows up, you are stressed to the max, but you have fun doing it, mm-hmm. and nobody tells you no, because everybody knows that that's how you get your kicks. Like, you, all of your joy comes from your family and cooking, um, and that's awesome, and you know, we like to eat, so this works out for us. Mm-hmm. So, um, a slice of carrot ice will continue, uh-huh. and all your slices will continue. I'm excited to see what kind of new creations you come up with. I'm waiting on the pumpkin things. Well, it, I mean, it's getting it's close. Time. It's getting we close. We had a lot of lemon during the summer, which was understandable. I also, like, I need somebody to choose some strawberry pie. Like, can I just insert some slices here and there? Um, and, like, I've never made pumpkin pie. I've never made that. Well, we're a, to do it. a lot of stuff that, that you've had, it was the first time I've ever made it. Right. The other day, you... You told me chocolate cobbler. I said, I've never heard of that in my life. What do you mean? Cho- well, what is chocolate cobbler? But was that the best thing you it had? Was, it was amazing. I it was, was like, so good. Where has this been all my life? I didn't we even know this existed. Again. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that I've cooked, it has been the first time I've ever cooked it in my life. So 
So if anybody picks pumpkin pie, that'll be the first pumpkin pie I ever cook. I hope somebody does because I'm ready for it. Anyway, so you've been a game changer um, motivationally for me for this podcast. When I question everything, you're the one that says keep going. You're doing great. Um, Obviously, you were the one who bought the MacBook and said pushed me off the cliff to do it. Finally, after I backed away 100,000 times. Um, So you've been my constant for years, but through this process even more because I'm sometimes not confident in my own abilities. And I think why the heck did I start this? I don't have what I need to keep it going. And you say you do keep going. Um, you share ideas, you come up with examples to share. Um, it's just been awesome to see how this has kind of transformed our family a little bit and our kids are invested. That's Mm -hmm. really cool. I mean, they're, they're in the, they're in the intro. They're in the intro. (laughs) They wear the clothes. They talk about it. They know we're doing podcast episodes every week. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's been really cool to see how this has changed our family and how we've kind of come together around this podcast and this slice. And even that has brought us all in the kitchen mm-hmm. regularly for the for the slice maker. Um, so thank you for, for just being you and being special to me. <laughs> okay. You're, you're welcome. Not many people thank me for being me. You are. You're good. To you. you. That's well, what, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you've been great to uh, the podcast, and I'm ready to eat some more. Not right now. I'm pretty full, but uh, I'm excited to see what new slices you come up with. Yeah, whenever you hit pause, I'm going to go start cooking dinner. Some peanut butter cookies. (laughs) Okay, well, love you, babe. Love you.